Hello, my friends. It's Ryan from the Prolific Creator Podcast. Now, many of you have asked, hey, Ryan, how do I support the show? Well, I finally listened. Starting today, you can subscribe to the Prolific Creator Plus on ACAST Plus for $3 a month. That's less than a cup of coffee. No apps to download and listen wherever you get your podcasts. Get access to the entire archive of Prolific Creator Awesomeness. Over 160 episodes going back to 2017. Yes, that's right, my friends. A plethora of information and inspiration, tips, tricks, and interviews to get your art and work into the world. Remember those ads? Say bye, bye, bye. Wait, there's more. For $5 a month, you can get access to the full prolific creator experience. This includes the full archives, early access to episodes, listener Q&A, book and movie reviews, and interviews not for the public, and perhaps any other awesomeness I might do on the microphone. Sounds awesome, right? Yeah, it does, Ryan. If you want to listen for free, you'll notice the last 50 episodes or so will always be available wherever you listen to podcasts. Remember, by subscribing today, you don't have to download any new apps, and you can simply keep listening on the podcast platform you prefer. Cool. Okay. Cool. Thanks for your love and support in advance. Simply click on the link in the show notes or on my website, and it'll take you where you need to go. Now on to the show. Hey, it's Ryan from the Prolific Creator, where we talk about life and art and see what sticks. And today, my friends, we have Emily English Medley on the show. And it gets a little dark, people. It gets a little dark. Um, I appreciated Emily coming on the show who wrote From the Moon. I watched her and we talk about being honest, being honest with our work, being honest with our lives, being honest with our creativity and the books in which we write. Uh, If you write books or whatever you're making, whatever you're putting out into the world, and you're going to really love my convo with Emily English Medley um, because she really digs into the challenges of wanting to say things that are hard to say and even if they're received as hard but but why it's important and uh and putting those words on on the page so i really hope that you enjoy my time with emily and i know you will and uh, so thanks for stopping by the prolific creator however you found us however you got here wherever you are wherever you're listening to this i'm so glad that you're here um so glad to be back in action again um and i just want to let you guys know just a couple things one is if you'd like some free resources, go to the website, ryanjhelton.com, and uh, you should see some uh, a tab with resources on it, and they're all freebies, just some things that kind of help, especially those that are they're doing writing or any kind of creative work, um, just free stuff that you can kind of get, get going in the right direction. Some of it's about mindset, some of it's about getting words on the page, uh, even about publishing. Uh, check that out. Um, get on the email list. Uh, that really is a great way to... Uh, kind of stay in touch with what I'm doing. Um, I have a newsletter called The Hints of Hope, and I share uh, interesting links and things I'm reading and kind of creative stuff uh, that might be helpful, some essays that I'm writing, et cetera, et cetera. Latest updates on the podcast. So check that out. You can find that on the, all on the website, on the newsletter. Uh, just give me, give me an email. I won't spam me or anything. Um, I am very inconsistent with that, that, uh, email, that, that newsletter, so don't worry. You won't get a million emails from me. Uh, but, uh, hopefully that serves you well. Hopefully that helps you, uh, get the words on the page, get the thing out in the world, get that paint on the canvas or whatever you're making, uh, whatever you're doing, whatever you're sharing with the world, trying to make the world a little better than we left it. 
And that's what we're all trying to do, right, my friends? Yes, we are. So today, Emily English Medley, her book, From the Moon, I watched her. We're going to get really honest and we're going to get after it. So enjoy my time with Emily. Well, welcome everyone to the Prolific Creator. I am so thankful today to have Emily English Medley on the show. And Emily is an author and she also is, I believe, a nurse or you're a nurse practitioner. I'm a nurse practitioner. Right on. Mm -hmm. And she had a book that just came out last year. We're excited to talk about her new book and all things writing and creativity. And uh, so thank you, Emily, for coming on the show. And Mm -hmm. as we start our time, tell me one food that you could eat on a desert island from now until eternity? Uh, Mexican food, cheese enchiladas and nachos and guacamole and margaritas. Good, good choice. Good choice. And uh, now if I, if I am correct, you're from Houston, Texas. That's right. So good Tex-Mex, good Mexican food down there. The best. Right. right on. I'm originally from California, so I have a high bar when it comes to Mexican food. Yeah, well. for Baja, but that's like Baja, right? Yeah, it's, diff- it's different. Yeah, it's, it's different. It's yeah. different than Tex-Mex. Yeah. Yep. But it's all good. And uh, yeah, it's I'm all good. So so glad to have you on the show. So I know you've Thanks been really me. busy with uh, nursing things and life things and book things. Yeah. Um, and I also wanted to thank you. My wife's a nurse too, and okay. wanted to thank you. I know it's been a stressful couple years for. Those in, the, in the medical yeah. profession for sure <laughs> and probably all professions in some level yeah um, but thanks for what you do yeah, uh, thank you so um, I want to talk a little bit about that so so are you originally from Houston Texas I'm originally from Houston okay so that's where it all began that's when the okay. the writing the life the family the whole thing yeah okay right so so tell me a little bit um influences growing up I mean grew up in Houston Texas I mean when did writing literature, creativity? When did that come into your life? Well, I think I I really can't remember a time in my life when it wasn't a part of my life because my mom and dad were such readers and they really read to me a lot and they loved books and I loved books. And um, my dad and I like to play a lot of word games and um, writing games. And so they're really, I don't really have any kind of reference for when reading and writing weren't in my life. I always find that interesting. I don't, I don't meet many authors that don't have a big influence, at least really? reading, reading, you yeah. know, when it comes to reading, like it's not many people that are like, Oh, I never read books. And then one day I'll like, <laughs> I think I'll, I'll write a book. Yeah. Um, they they kind of go hand in hand. doesn't mean you have yeah. to be a writer to be, you know, a voracious reader, but it does, yeah. it does certainly help. Um, were there any, um, you know, when you think about uh, even the book you just wrote, you know, has this kind of Southern Gothic, you know, fiction mm-hmm. themes running through that. Were there were there books or genres or uh, influences you had early on that you said, you know, I really would like to write something like this, or I really enjoy? Well, yeah. So the early on, if you're asking about early on references, is um, I read like the whole Flowers in the Attic series when I was like I don't know, like fourteen or something, like fifteen. Um, I just took a summer and I just like laid in bed. I read Flowers in the Attic, Petals on the Wind, Seeds of Yesterday, If There Be Thorns, like just that that whole family saga. Um, and then in in my adult life as an author, the the author that I admire most and that I I just absolutely love is Wally Lamb. Mm-hmm. Um, so I. I feel like the book, um, I know this much is true. When I read that book, I was like, I want to, I want to write a book like that. 
Well, that's great. Yeah. I think that's, you know, important. I think when people, you know, think about, we have a lot of people listen to the show that are either trying to write books or create mm-hmm. things and they're not sure where to start or what. Mm-hmm. And I always say, you know, find things that really, you know, inspire you, or at least, you know, um, as Austin Cleon says, you know, steal like an artist, you know, get, right. find right. things that you go, you know, this is kind of what I, would, what I want to do. Yeah. And this yeah. really speaks to me and, and, you know, mm-hmm. what could that look like? But obviously you put your own voice. Into Absolutely. It, yeah. You know? There's no, no new idea under the sun, but um, I think having, having those role models and things that we, we, we would aspire to be right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or things, you know, the opposite, you, you things you don't like. Exactly. I, mean, I, I love Wally Lamb, but man, his books are sh- really long. They're <laughs> so really I, long, right. but like I tried to read 50 shades of gray and I couldn't read it because it yeah. was so poorly written. So like, yes. I, I mean, so yeah, it's what you it's don't want to be too. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It can be long, but feel short because it's with it really well. Written. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, so tell me, um, so Emily, so your, you know, your, your day job, you're a nurse practitioner, um, mm-hmm. you, you know, you're writing books. I mean, most people have day jobs. That's not uncommon. Yeah. Um, so when, when did you start thinking about seriously, you know, I want to publish, I want to write, I want to get something out there. What, what was that a, a long journey? I mean, go back even, you know, post, obviously you went through school and yeah. we're doing other things Whether it was our moment where you're like, I really need to do this. Sure. Yeah. I guess, um, the, People would tell me for years that I needed to write a book. That's where it started um, is that people would say, you need to write a book. You need to write a book. You need to write a book. And eventually like the noise, the universal noise kind of just got so loud that I thought, well, I guess I need to write a book um, to just kind of shut it up, like to get the monkey off of my back in a way. And um, I actually mentioned in the acknowledgement page, I originally did not believe in myself. Like I did not think I could write this book. And, um, I thought, well, I'm going to get, um, a ghostwriter to write my book because I'm not a writer, you know, I mean, I'm a writer, but like, I'm not a book writer, you know? So I, um, was reading a book about the Rwandan Holocaust at the time. And I reached out to the ghostwriter who had written that book. And I said, I have a story, you know, I would, I would like for you to help me write it. And he's like, sure, sure, sure. And, um, a year into it, he still hadn't started it. And I had given him the money and, um, I met him one day cause I had decided it's, it's kind of an hour never with this guy. And I met him and he handed me my, my outline and my ideas in a white binder with a footprint and a coffee cup stain on it. And he was like, you know, I'm going to start any day. I'm going to start any day. And I was like, you know, I I think you're fired. Mm. I think you're fired. And I like walked out of the restaurant in the streets of New York and I was just crying. I mean, I was just crying and I was like, I am so stupid. I am so stupid to think that I have anything to say or that anybody would think that it was even important, you know? Um, the guy gave me my money back, but that, that moment, like it pissed me off to the, to such a high degree that I just was like, I guess I'm going to have to write the book. Nobody Mm -hmm. can write this book. He can write the book about the Rwandan Holocaust, but he can't write this book. Mm -hmm. So, um, I, that's what, that was what catapulted me into finally just sitting down and doing it. As far as it, you know, goes with having a day job, I have to be really transparent in that we had pulled one of our sons out of school to homeschool him. I did not want to do that. I did not think I could do that. That was not my idea. That was my husband's idea. Um, But for the first time ever, 
I was sitting at a table all day because my son was working on a computer. And so I was sitting at the table. And um, so I was like, oh, he's got his laptop. I'll get mine out. And that's, <laughs> that's where it started. Well, that's great. Yeah. I mean, I, I love that. I, I love this, this part of your story. I, I obviously didn't know it. Um, but you know, sometimes it's those, those hard moments that kind of catapult yeah. you into. Oh, see- it was horrible. Yeah. Seeing what I felt you should be like doing. such a fool, like <laughs> such a fool to think that I would have a story that anybody would even be interested in writing. I thought I had just been taken for such a ride. Sure. Um, but I mentioned him in the acknowledgement page because we're all friends and now, and you know, I, I recognize that he could never have written this book. Sure. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's the gift too, is, is it need to be written by you and you only, mm-hmm. um, it, you know, and it's funny, Emily, because you know, what you describe as I can never write, I am not a writer, those kinds of things. It's like every writer, even after they've written a lot of things, still feel the same sure, way. Like- so, so it's, it doesn't go away, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, but no, so yeah, so let's get into uh, the the story. So uh, from the moon, I watched her. Um, obviously, there was an idea that was percolating. You know, I have to write this book. I have to write this story, share the story. Uh, wh- how did that begin? What, what did that journey look like to kind of discover this is the story I need to write? Um. I can't describe it to you other than to say it was just a story that was in me and um, it just, it, it just needed to be, to be written. Mm-hmm. I, I don't have a moment where I thought, Oh, I, I must write this story. It was, it was just kind of, I, I think just maybe part of my, maybe my fate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, one of those kind of uh, moments where you're just like, I don't know what it is, but it's just something's mm-hmm. pulling me, something's yeah. telling me something. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's, that's the mystery of what I talk a lot about on the show, the mystery of creativity, the mystery of story. Yeah, that's, it would that, like, I would get ideas in the middle of the night and mm-hmm. get up and jot them down. And um, I, I had music that I would listen to um, that would inspire me to, it, it kind of set the tempo, the beat to the book. Mm-hmm. Um, we ended up putting like a playlist together for the book. Cause I would listen to this music and it would really just inspire me to kind of get that chapter written. Mm-hmm. I love that. I, lo- I love just drawing from any inspiration you can find, mm-hmm. you know, and that's always mm-hmm. can be very personal. Obviously I always have a soundtrack. I think every book I've written has some yeah. certain soundtrack that I just play over and over and over. Fun. Yeah. It's yeah, like, it, okay. it's like it, your brain saying, okay, now this is when you're going to write, like you're right. Yeah. <laughs> you're doing yeah. this thing. No, yeah. I love that. Um, well, so I, here's what I'm in, I'm interested by, you know, you went through, you know, the ghostwriter didn't work out. You mm-hmm. were compelled to write this story, mm-hmm. uh, but you really hadn't done it before, right. at least on this level. Right. Did you have any models to follow? Did you have books you read? I mean, how did you start? I mean, what did, well, what did like starting look like? You're sitting there with your son, he's homeschooling. We're, <laughs> <laughs> I'm supposed great to write this story. Question. So I had written, like, I wrote the premise and the story of Desperate Housewives before anyone wrote it. And then, like, I never did anything with it. So, like, right, right, I mean, um, so I had written in the past and I had written poetry and I had written little short stories and that kind of thing. But, like, to take on something like this, I will tell you for the listeners out there, my first, second, third, fourth, fifth draft, all of those, like, my first draft sucked. It sucked. I called it like a bucket of vomit. It was vomit. It was horrible. I wouldn't even get the names of the characters, right? (laughs) Like I would just, 
Oh, it was so bad. Um, but wait, what was the question? How no, the, the, the question was like, how did you start? Like, you, how did I start? You know, did you have a model? Did you have a template? Did you read a book? Did you, you know, it what, wasn't how to write a, a novel? Or a, nope. <laughs> it wasn't a book or a model. I sat down and um, I just started, I, you know what I did? I started from an opening scene. I had an opening scene idea and it went from there. And um, I did make an outline, but a lot of days, I, I mean, I knew what I wanted to say and I would kind of, eventually the characters did what they wanted to do. Mm-hmm. I Eventually I was not in control of the characters anymore. They, they ended up doing what they wanted to do. Um, and they, they just did, but I started by starting at the beginning by writing crap. So basically just the, the vomit draft, yes. it's the, it's the draft that this is going to be terrible, but I got to get it out. Yes. And I was, the place. yeah. And I was bad. I think compared to a lot of writers groups and that kind of thing, I didn't share my writing. I wouldn't share it with anybody. I didn't want anybody to critique my writing. Um, That just wasn't the way that I went about it. I mean, I I went to writers groups and people would share, share their stuff and um, I would share other things, but not this book. So by the time I ended up, you know, querying it to agents and publishers and that kind of thing, really the, the only people who had read it were me and my husband read it. And then, um, my editor. And was there, was there a point, um, you know, you have this, this compelling reason. I have to write this story. I feel like I have something to say. Um, I don't know how to do this necessarily, but I'm going to start writing. Um, was there like a point where you, you realize, um, even after many drafts, like, Hey, there's, there's something here. Like yeah. there's, yeah. Like, there's, this is a good story. I mean, did you get any feedback from anybody at some point of saying like, I didn't share it. Okay. Didn't share it all. I didn't share it. Okay. Till it was, I, I was all the so, way done. I did not share it. I was so protective of it. I just did not share it. Sure. Um, I mean, I had my husband, uh, you know, I think a couple of times would read something that I wrote and he would say, Emily, this is good. Like, this is uh-huh. good. You should keep going. Um, but I didn't share it. I did not look for any feedback or any, any kind of, um, I didn't do that. <laughs> I, I just didn't. Now, was there a point at the end? I mean, was the goal always to publish or share it or mm-hmm. was it more just, Hey, if this just is the story I need to tell, just to tell, this it. is just the story that I need to tell. Okay. Um, and it's going to work its way through society. However, it's going to work its way through, mm-hmm. um, I kind of pictured it like a bird and like, I'm going to let this go at some point. Um, But I never had any kind of aspiration like, Oh, I want this to be like next Harry Potter. I want this to be, you know, the next bestseller. I didn't look at it like that. And I still don't look at it that way. I wanted to write something that was niche, like for a niche audience that would work its way through society in a way that it would touch who it needed to touch when it needed to touch and kind of a dream would be like to have it not be famous in your own lifetime. Right. Like that friends episode where Phoebe Buffet was like, I would love to not be famous in my own lifetime. (laughs) (laughs) You know, um, I, I wanted to elevate, elevate a conversation. I wasn't Mm. doing it to get um, attention. Sure. No, I, I love that. I was, I was taking a writing course, uh, not too long ago. And the professor said something similar to that of, you know, stop putting pressure on your writing. Let, let the yeah. spirit, she said, let the spirit do what the spirit needs to do with yeah. the book, you know, like, yeah. or whatever writing 
book God that needs to take this, you know, let it, let it, let just it. let it be. Yeah. Yeah. Let it. And then I had heard somebody, there was something that inspired me. I don't remember who said this, but um, it, it was this saying, it said, right. Like you're naked, mm. like, right. Like you're naked, just like mm-hmm. hold nothing back. Right. Um, I did still hold back. Like in my book, there are still things I could have said that I didn't say and things that I could have said more in depth and that sure. I didn't do it, you know, cause I did hold back a little bit, but um, yeah, just kind of yeah. letting it, letting it go. I like that. Yeah. I, I interviewed a guy years ago and he said, uh, right. Like everybody's dead. <laughs> and he said, he said, I know that sounds morbid, but he's like, that's what I do. That's why I've been a writer for 40 years is because I write like everybody's dead. He's like, I just want to tell the story. I feel like I need to tell and not care if anybody's watching or paying attention. You know, uh, unfortunately, <laughs> um, unfortunately women for, for years have been, uh, writing their autobiographies under the guise of fiction, <laughs> you know, kind of auto fiction. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's I wasn't able to write like I was dead, sure, uh, or like or like everybody was yeah, dead because, right. um, you know, it's not a secret that I was raised in the Church of Christ, and mm-hmm. um, I did feel an incredible amount of protection for my uh, religion of origin. I will always mm-hmm. love the Church of Christ, and um, I, I I actually didn't write like everyone was dead. Mm-hmm. I couldn't write like everyone right. was dead, but I but I did try to put as much out there as I could, right. Like try to be as vulnerable and honest. Yeah. And yeah. So let's talk about some of the themes. I, I love, um, I mean, a couple of things that just caught my eye and that's why I was like, man, why did I not buy this book already? Uh, I will, um, is I love a book set in different, uh, eras. So 1977, uh-huh. uh, I think even in your blurb, it's, you know, Jimmy Carter is president. Yeah. Um, yeah. now how, how was that? Um, I, I'm always curious for, for people that write in different, you know, time periods that aren't our own, at least you know, immediate. Um, w- w- did you do any research or did you do anything like just thinking through the, the time? Cause it's kind of a coming of age novel um, and that the setting, or, I mean, how much of those details come into the story or not, or did you even think about that? Or, or is that, just I you- did have to do research okay. because, you know, I had to do research. Like, wait, when was Roe v. Wade? <laughs> right. When was this war? Yep. Um, when was the Duran Duran con- like there was no Duran Duran concert, you know? So like that, right. I mean, I had to be like, was it hungry like a wolf or was it, was it Rio? Like, I mean, I had to, I had to do those little cultural references sure. and that kind of thing. And like, um, we had to get, I had to get uh, permission from the cure <laughs> to use their, cause I had used fascination street as one of the, mm-hmm. one of the, in one of the chapters and we had to get permission. It was easier to get permission from, from Robert Smith than it was to um, get permission to use the hymns. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah the, yeah. the hymns are usually public domain, but you know, Robert Smith. No. Well, and the money. hymns, yeah. And the hymns that I used, I was like, it has to be this hymns. Like it can't be any other. So we have to use them, but um, it was, it was kind of hard to get permission to use those hymns and um, easier to, easier to deal with the cure than oh, the that's church. Funny. That's funny. <laughs> Yeah. Th- those are, you know, uh, always, a. I don't know how it was for you, but just, I, I wrote a book too, it's set in the late seventies and it, it's how much do you, how much of the culture do you bring in? Or is that just, you know, try not to be too kind of weird about it or language or like, what was the slogans or the f- phrases, you know, yeah. um, that they used or, you know, I, I was born in the late seventies. So I, I, I mean, I remember more eighties, nineties, but, um, yeah. I mean, if you reference a car, you reference an event, like making I know. Sure you have those things, right. You know? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So, so you had this, so as you were, you know, the story was coming, I mean, did you know it was going to be set 
like in the seventies during this era, or is that just kind of an after? Was it? No, all- I did. I, okay. I knew. I knew. Yeah, I knew. Okay. Because I wanted to tie it to Roe v. Wade. Okay. Um, Because that's where the opening the opening scene is at the debate um, about abortion. So I wanted to kind of tie it. I think the book opens up like a couple years after Roe v. Wade. People okay. are still debating it. So. Yeah, no, that's, I mean, like you said, the opening scene sometimes is what you need to kind of kick off the whole I know. Thing. Yeah. You never know, know where it's going to go, but that, that, I know. that, that mo- opening scene is so important. Sure. It's, I think it's the most important part of the book. Oh yeah. It has to be. I, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Rarely a book. Can you draw a reader in without a good kind of, like, I know. what is this? Where are we going? You know, I know. Yeah. Yep. Um, so let me also say, so, so seventies, it's kind of a coming of age. Did you know all that too? Like it was going to be kind of a, a young girl kind yeah. of experiencing these things. The yeah. Church. I knew I wanted to, you know, what inspired me to do that is Angela's ashes, mm. the book, Angela's ashes. Mm-hmm. So I knew I wanted to start it out with a very, very young protagonist. And actually my son, it was my son's idea because he's like, you know, mom, if you want to make Stephanie like join this dark side. If Stephanie has to, because re- Stephanie wrestles a lot with her own like cruelty. Mm-hmm. He's like, you have, you have to make it, it to where she's a, somebody who in the beginning, like she has no hope because she's so young. She's so young. Mm-hmm. I like that. I like that. Now the, so you have, you know, obviously threads of the church in there you have um, it, now, is it set in Texas? Mm-hmm. Okay. Set in Texas, young girl, seventies. Mm-hmm. Um, now your description, it says it's kind of Southern Gothic. Um, mm-hmm. Now, even when you think about kind of, you're saying earlier, like niche kind of, this was, you know, a unique story told in a certain way, um, maybe not for everybody necessarily um, were the genre or the, the style, was that just something the way it came out or was that something that you were trying to be kind of intentional with or kind of combination of both? I feel like it's who I am. I feel like it's literary fiction in that, I mean, it, it, it is really true to literary fiction. Like it does not have a happy ending. It does not have a tight plot. Um, and that was really organic. Like that's who I am and that's what it was, but no, I did not have anything that I read that I was like, I want to, you know, model it just like that. It, 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 I knew I did not want it to be pop fiction. I knew I did not want contemporary fiction. I did not set out to write a book that would appeal to everyone. Mm-hmm. I appeal, I wrote a book. I wanted to appeal to only a certain person, a small niche of person. And the goal was not even necessarily to tell a story. It was to, I wanted to raise the conversation. Mm-hmm. I wanted to elevate the conversation and the book is not for everyone. I mean, I've read more things about my book that are, you know, this is disgusting. This is pornography. This is terrible. This is horrible. You know, this is awful, you know, more than I have the good. Right. Um, so I, I, I mean, it was even like censored or banned. I, I sent it to somebody in Uganda and they wouldn't let it in the country. And I was so hurt and so sad. And I was so upset. And then I, I was like, you know, if, my book doesn't make it into the country. That's, that's like a dream. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, I really appreciate, I, I actually, part of what I wanted to talk to you about was just how, how to deal, especially, I mean, a lot of people writing, you know, difficult subjects, hard mm. subjects, personal subjects. I mean, if it's memoir, you know, you name it, um, how to deal with that in a 
kind of gracious way, like, Hey, it's not for everybody, but I, mm-hmm. we have to be honest about the story. And mm-hmm. I really, I actually appreciate the way, even on the website, you actually have some <laughs> kind of, you know, not call them warnings. Trigger- yeah, yeah. 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 Just to, yeah. to kind of say, Hey, there's some themes in here that might trigger some things. There's some uh, things I deal with that. I just want you to know that up front Cause I think sometimes yeah. in culture, we're not very good at that. We just kind of, here it is. And then it's like, Whoa, <laughs> you know, yeah. um, but, but, but simultaneously saying, Hey, the, there's a, there's a difficult, important story to yeah. tell. Um, yeah. and we can't, we can't always sand off the, the, the rough edges, you know, and I did sand off a lot of rough edges. Right. Yeah. So when, you know, when you come in, in touch with the, the content of my book and, you know, when people say, Oh, it's so hard to read. It's so hard to read. And I would, I will always go back to them and say, is it hard to read or is it hard to know? Mm. Is this subject matter hard for you to read or is it hard for you to believe? That's good. I like that. You know, the, I, I think I've, I was having a conversation with a friend the other day and we were talking about the power of fiction and sometimes fiction is, is better suited to, to do this kind of work yeah. uh, as, as much as we think it's because the many people think fiction, they think, Oh, fairy tales, or it's not real. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't really matter. But simultaneously to deal with difficult subjects, different, difficult stories, uh, abuse, you name it. Sometimes through story is even more palatable and yeah but also more powerful. Like it does get you to think it does get you to, and I'm finding that more and more. It's like sometimes nonfiction that's so on the nose about certain things. It's like, well, you should think this and here's what this means. Mm-hmm. But when you tell a story about someone right. experiencing it, it's very right. different. It's very exactly. Different. Exactly. Now tell me um, not to, you know, you can talk as much or as little as you want about this, but I, I was just curious on your side, you know, as the creator, as the writer dealing with these difficult, you know, subjects, writing the story that obviously has, uh, you know, not for everybody, but how, how did you experience it? I mean, was it, were there moments of just like, I need to put it away is there, is there moments of, um, I remember, you know, Stephen King talking about, you know, writing some scary stories where he, there were moments he actually had to put the thing away cause it was just too much, <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. but I mean, did you have those moments of just like, I need to breathe, I need to, yep. or, or did you just kind of. No, there were a lot of moments where I would have to breathe and, um, I would just, I know it sounds silly, but I would literally picture myself like holding Stephanie in my hands, Mm -hmm. you know, and holding this little girl. Like I tried to be very, very cognizant um, and very mindful of just the sacredness of what I was writing about. You know, the book is about sexual abuse. It's about, Mm -hmm. um, honestly, I think what, what people have the hardest time with in my book is that I allowed the sexualized child to speak. Um, and people can't bear to look at that. They can't stand to listen to that. Right. Like a child who is being abused and is finding pleasure in this. And, um, she like no adult ever comes along and tells Stephanie that what's happening is wrong. Um, so she doesn't know. So she just experiences it all like, you were just a baby, you know? And, um, so love, you know, is it love? I mean, it feels like love because it's, these are people I know and, um, I need them. And, um, but you know, I, I, I took great care to really, really hold the power and the respect for children of sexual abuse in my hand and in my heart the whole time. Yeah. And I, I mean, I appreciate just even tackling a subject like this because it's so 
prevalent and relevant. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I, I remember reading, I don't know how accurate it is now, but I know like one in four women have been abused in some one in three and that's who talks about it. Okay. Yeah. And it's, a, I mean, it's a big number. I mean, that means, yeah. you know, every third person yeah. you meet on the street has yeah. been affected by this. Right? right. Um, and I, and I, I also appreciate just, I'm, you know, some of my background as a, as a pastor is that some of the, with the church church world is that some of these things get, you know, put pushed aside, you know, minimized, handled poorly. And so even willing to kind of bring in some of the, the faith parts, but also the dark parts of not, you know, always handling things well or yeah. saying things that aren't helpful, you know, yeah. um, and, you know, to the abusers and to the, you know, and, and to the people that are being abused, you know, that's, yeah. that's the hard thing. Um, yeah. but there's a lot of that going on and, that, and it has been going on forever and ever. It's just, you know, it's sometimes it's one of those things we just don't, it's taboo. We don't want to touch it. We don't want to, but it's also like you tell these stories so that we can do better the next time. So we, I can, know. we can learn from it. You know, we yeah. can say, no, no more. We're not going to do it this way. We're going to yeah. do better next time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. For sure. Yeah. And, that, and that's a, that's a brave thing. So I, I appreciate you, you know, um, I think there's a lot of self-awareness. I mean, I think you probably couldn't have written this book if you're 22. <laughs> um, I know, and, you, know, you know, you can't write this yeah. book at 22. No, it's just too much. Mm, and, it's too much. But also knowing like, hey, there could be a, a positive or negative response to it. And that's yeah. maturity too. Just to yeah. say, hey, not everybody's going to love this. Not everybody's going to receive it with open arms. Um, yeah. that's, that's a healthy yeah. way of looking at it. Yeah. Uh, that's good. So, um so let's get one of the things we, we do like to talk about too, is just, uh, and, and I know you're, it might be new to you because you've been, you know, first big book and, you know, figuring out your own s- systems and flow and rhythms and everything. But, um, you know, I always like to ask the question, what is one big thing that you learned from writing this book? Um, you know, whether that was on the craft side, on the publishing side, on the, time management side, doesn't matter. Um, what are, what are just a couple of lessons you learned from kind of doing this, uh, getting from the beginning to the end? So a couple of lessons that I've learned is that nothing takes the place of discipline. Um, nothing takes the place of actually sitting down and doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't just wish it into existence. You can't just write it and it just come out perfect. I mean, like nothing takes the place of actually putting in the hours to write. Um, and I also learned that there's a lot of bad guys in this industry. So you have yes. to be careful. There's people who will take advantage of you. Um, you know, opportunistic people who aren't even as good as you. Mm-hmm. They're right. not even good. Right. I mean, like I had, a, I, I was trying to hire an editor and um, when he sent me the contract, there were typos in the contract. And so I didn't hire him. And he was right. like, oh, please, 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 please. And I was like, a hundred percent not. Like, I mean, you, you have to, you have to set your standards and then you have to make everything else fall into that line. You can't just go running full speed ahead. The other thing I learned is that um, conferences really help. Going to writers' conferences, that's where it happens. That's where you meet people. That's where you meet agents. That's where you meet editors. That's where, you, I mean, that that is where you do it. So being in those communities, those writing communities, whether you, you know, I didn't share my work, um, but I took notes in those conferences and I listened mm-hmm. and I, those things are powerful. Finding mm-hmm. good, good conferences. Mm-hmm. Well, that's good. I, you know, one of the reasons I started this podcast years ago was for that reason is some bad experiences with editors and, yeah. you know, people that email you and like, oh, I get your book out and, you know, pay me this amount of money and you realize. Yeah. And they're just lying and taking advantage but, of your dream, you know? Yep. 
yeah. And there's so many good people out there. And that's why I always say, Hey, if people are listening, you know, email yeah. me, I can point you in the right direction to be yeah. able to trust with my life. So, um, yes. yeah. And, and as you, you know, like you said, in networking conferences, communities, like you get to know people that you trust and you go, yeah. oh, and they point you in the right direction. And, and especially in like indie world as well. I mean, and the broader publishing industry is indie world is very generous and they're very willing to share, share editors, share ideas, yeah. uh, yeah. even, you know, small, small press, y- you name yeah. it. Yep. Um, they, they'll point you in, in good places. So no, that's good. So, um, now, now when you were, um, when you think about kind of your rhythm, you know, you talked about, uh, discipline, you know, you just got to put your butt in the chair. I love that. that that's a big yeah. mantra, mantra around here. There's no magic, you know, Mm-mm. um, writing fairies. You just have to do the work. Um, is have you found since then? I know the book came out a year ago and it's been a little, a few minutes, but as you've been writing more things, getting back into it, uh, do you have kind of new rhythms, new habits that you find to be helpful just in your own? Cause I know you're busy too. So you have a lot going on. So it's not like you're just, you know, sitting around. Um, but how, how have you kind of managed your time, um, in your, in your creative writing. process. Yep. Um, well, nothing's going to have the rhythm that this book had for me. Like this book had a, I, there's not really a way to articulate it, but this book had a, a particular rhythm. It really was set to music and it really did have a beat in my own mind. No, no book is going to have that like mm-hmm. this. Um, but like, so I'm writing a medical book, um, based, you know, doing some research on a topic that I'm really passionate about. Um, a pa- it's a, the topic of wrapping children with eczema. Um, and I'll just leave that right where it is. And anybody who wants to Google what that means, they can Google it, but um, I'm very much against the practice of wrapping children with eczema. So I'm writing a book about that. And um, that's more tedious. It's not as much fun. It's not as creative, but um, you know, finding your, really, I really just can't, can't say enough that there's two things that you can do to be able to write. Number one, you have to read. You have to read. If you want to be able to write, you have to read. I mean, there's that saying that if you want to, you know, have words flow off of your tongue, like water, read a thousand books, right? Mm -hmm. So that's where you get the words is by reading. And then, um, you know, just the discipline of sitting down and writing it, even when you hate it, even when you know, it's not good, you're just you know, and then also being kind of sensitive to, to when those whims come, like, oh, I've got something on my mind. I got to write it down. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm going to sit here for five hours. Well, that's good. I, I, I think people un- underestimate that last point you made is, is that moment of inspiration or just kind of something is there. And I just need to I like, if I'm going to write this down. Yeah. If I can do it, I'm going to do it. Cause I mean, I had one of those moments the other day and it was like, this project's not coming along at all. And then it was like, in a, in an instant, I was like, Oh, fired up the computer like there it is i know yeah right just like, yeah you don't miss those moments yeah, yeah. You never, never know when they're going to come um so yeah no that's but listening are- to them when they do and yep. just making making space for yourself to go in and write it even if it's just a little article or a story sure no i and i also liked what you said about reading a lot and there's another piece of that is not just for the words uh, and i tell people this a lot too is sometimes they get freaked out by i don't know how to chapter flows or i don't know when to stop mm-hmm. a chapter or what mm-hmm. you know how this begins and ends mm-hmm. even just reading you pick those things up i mean that's yeah. just almost yes, like subconscious like yeah, oh okay this chapter's this long they started here they ended here okay that makes sense you know it's yeah. just even the how a book is put together like yeah i, I know sometimes we especially when you're just starting out, you're like, I don't know how long a chapter is supposed to be. I don't know, you know, yeah. when scenes should be broken up or, 
a new chapter or multiple scenes or is there, you know, am I breaking rules? I have no idea. Um, yeah. but, but then you re- read a bunch of books and you go like, man, all, there are no rules. There, really there are no rules. Yeah. No, no. Right. So, uh, no, that's good. I like that. Um, now if you were to, um, let's see, it's the end of the world. Um, and you're on a, a desert Island. You have this microphone to the whole world and, uh, you wanted to share with writers, aspiring writers, creatives long after you're gone, what would be three truths beyond just craft and things, but what would be three truths you'd want to tell or at least one, uh, <laughs> things you'd want to tell a, a writer, a creative person, um, just to encourage them, um, long after you're gone. I love the way you said that about your book, you know, <laughs> this thing hopefully st- sticks around long, long after I'm yeah. gone, but what would you want to say? I would say, um, number one, if you have a story in you that is burning in you, do not let anybody tell you that you can't do it. Um, you'll know when that story needs to come out because there's nothing that you will be able to do to help it. If you don't have a story like that, if you don't have something that's burning in you, um, you know, if you do, don't, don't let anybody tell you that you cannot do it. I promise you, if I can do it, anybody can do it. Um, if you don't have a story burning in you like that, then you need to pick the most important one. You know, we all have a lot of stories kind of going in our, oh, I could write this. I could do that. I could write about this. I could do that. But I think it's important to focus. It's really important to get focused. Um, And then I think the third truth would be to, well, for me, it's to stay true to the craft, Um, you know, bring, bring to the experience, the respect that your characters deserve. Um, that's, I think, my truth. Really well said. I love it. So, Emily, this has been fantastic. I uh, and I love just hearing your story. There's way more to it than I even realized. And yeah. um, I appreciate you writing hard books for the world yes, to sir. enjoy and Thank sharing you. your stories. And uh, now, before you go, tell me two things. One, where can people find you? Where's the best place to find you? And yeah. also, obviously, to find your work. But then what else are you working on now? What are you dreaming about? I know you mentioned another book, but anything yeah. coming down the pipe? Yep. So I'm on Instagram and Facebook as the author, Emily English Medley. And then there's mm-hmm. EmilyEnglishMedley.com. And then I'm uh, kind of working with NAMI a little bit. Um, I just wrote a blog for NAMI, and it's going to be published in in June. NAMI's North... North um, Alliance for mental illness. It's for families of mental illness. And I mentioned them on my website, but so I just um, finished a blog that will come out in January or in June for them. And I'm working on my medical book, which is tedious and hard. And for example, for example, I want to write about this topic and the doctor that I work with that I love and adore, I respect him so much, but he's like, you will never get through. Like this is men, men have decided this and rapping is good. And the national eczema association says that it's good. And you're just, you're never going to get through to anybody. And I was like, hmm. we'll see. Well, good. Keep on going. We'll see. Keep on going. We'll I see. love it. Well, Emily, I love your tenacity. Uh, it's refreshing. So Emily, thanks so much for coming on, coming on the show. You're going to help a lot of people and Thank they're going to love hearing and meeting you and go get her book and I'll put it all okay. in the show notes. So we'll yeah. talk to you. Talk to you again. Thank too. you, Ryan. You bet. Okay. Bye. Bye. Well, there you have it. My friends. Uh, so glad to have Emily English medley on the show. Go check out her book. Go check out what she has to offer. Um, all that will be in the show notes. 
And I really, just really, really appreciate just her honesty uh, because I know there's probably many of us listening to the show thinking, hey, there's something I want to say, there's something I want to do, there's something I want to put out in the world. I'm just really nervous about it. I'm I'm really uh, concerned how it'll be understood or how it'll be received. And I think the best thing you can do is not worry about those things. Because I think what you need to say and what you need to do, and again, it's not to, that we want to hurt people or we want to demean people, of course, uh, but we need to be honest. And sometimes the um, the hardest things to say and the most honest things to say, even though when we say it, um, in the end, it, it makes us aware of what's really going on and the hard parts and the dark parts and the broken parts of us and the things in which we've hurt each other and hurt other people. And, um, and, and so... That's a hard thing as an artist. It's hard to um, kind of be on, be fully honest and be fully transparent in what we're trying to do and what we're trying to create um, and how we're trying to say it. Uh, so uh, so hopefully Emily was an encouragement to you. And like I said at the beginning of the show, um, go check out some of the free resources on ryanjpelton.com. Uh, hopefully that'll help you in your creative work. Uh, sign up for the newsletter. And also one thing that really helps us keep the show going and, and get it out to the world is leaving uh, ratings or reviews. Um, I know a lot of people listen on iTunes. You can leave a review there or wherever you listen to this podcast. And that really just helps us get the, get the word out and, uh, and get more, more ears on the show. And I love doing this and hopefully serving people uh, in their creative work, whatever that work looks like. And, uh, and yeah, so hopefully it'll be helpful to you and, and all the new people that have been coming in listening uh, for all these many years. Um, so again, this is Ryan J. Pelton. I'm so glad that you stopped by the Prolific Creator Podcast. And one more thing before I go, I have to say this, I really have to say this, is go make some great art with your life. And I'll talk to you real, real soon.